To Hell with the Hot Dish represents the opinions and musings of three not overly intelligent pastors working to challenge a church long defined by a cliché casserole culture. The thoughts expressed here are their own and not necessarily the thoughts of any larger institution. So feel free to find your seat, stow all expectations for answers in the overhead compartment, and join us on this misguided adventure. This is To Hell with the Hot Dish. that we have affectionately titled To Hell with the Hot Dish. I'm Alex, and I've been told I'm a little caffeinated today. Alex is caffeinated. I'm Lauren, and I'm sitting next to him in my office, and I can tell you he's a little worked up. The volume's up. It's up here. If you could see my arms, they're over my head. (laughs) Kyle, are you there? And I I am here, and I'm glad. It sounds like it's a good thing I'm all the way down in Texas, about a thousand miles away from that caffeination of Alex Hoops. Yeah, Kyle's overwhelmed already. Yep, yep. I know, I know. It's been a lot. I'm on a different computer, but you know what? You know what? What? We're going to play through it. We're going to keep going through it because we're professionals. I believe in us. Can you believe it? We're all together again. Like this podcast (laughs) is still a thing and we still keep tuning in. Friends forever. Thanks, guys. Good to see you. Let's talk about summer camp. How was it? Uh, no? I, I didn't go to summer camp, but but summer was awesome. It was a great summer filled with lots of great activities. And I'm ready for the fall. I am ready to re-engage in fall activities. I'm ready for pumpkin spice lattes. I'm ready for all of it. Oh, Lord already is, Lord's already wearing a zip-up vest. Like, it was I relatively brisk this what? morning How in Cincinnati. How hot is it there? No, it's not cold. He's just like... This is the day. Lauren. I'm this ready. This is the day we crack out the vest. It's my signature look. It's what I'm known for. Um, some of the youth in our congregation actually bought me a vest for Christmas one year. because they, so because they, Because they said, Lauren, you so wear cute. the same one too much. You need a new one. And, uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, um, but, but I'm ready. I'm ready for the fall. And, hey, folks, if you're listening and you hear another voice in the background, you're not mistaken. No, you're not. Today, we have a very special guest, friend of the podcast, back on. We have Dr. Jacqueline Bussey uh, here today um, as our guest to talk about her new book. Welcome, Jacqueline. Thank you so much, Lauren. It's great to be back with you three. I just, I love your podcast. Oh, so. Thank you. Our listeners, oh. you might remember that we interviewed, um, we interviewed Jacqueline back with her uh, book that came out um, a couple Christ- years ago, yeah. Outlaw Christian. Ba- basically, we can only have her on when she writes a book. Is that what we're saying? No, basically what we're <laughs> no. saying is that Jacqueline is so busy teaching at uh at moorhead and directing the forum on faith and life right which is the interfaith yes. um, um institute there at, at the college and that she's been so busy with her books because they're they've taken off like gangbusters that um we're <laughs> delighted to be able to have time to have her on she's busy kyle she can't <laughs> prop up this fledgling podcast every week sometimes we have to put in our work and actually provide something that's she, worth a day yeah, like, so. <laughs> we just need her to rescue us all the right. time. No. So. <laughs> well, Jacqueline, with your last book, Outlaw Christian, um, 
you know, we had so many people here at Prince of Peace and so many of my friends I saw on Facebook that were reading it. And Love our that. Stephen ministers used it for um, some of their continuing ed and dialogue discussion. So did mine. Yeah. Did they? Exactly. Oh, that's Stephen beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't know yeah. that. That's wonderful. Yeah. And it, I know it made a huge impact. And we were all kind of waiting for your next book. And lo and behold, earlier this week was your official launch date of your new book, Love Without Limits. Um, tell us a little bit about this book. Yeah, well, the way I like to describe it is it's a it's a memoir and a how-to guide for love across difference in these very divided times. So, you know, it's a book that I did write uh, during the entire election year and it's it's not a book about politics, it's a book about love, but I would felt compelled to write it because I was watching how people became so divided, you know, around me, my own friends, my own family, some people not speaking to one another across their political or social, you know, divisions. And I thought, this is heartbreaking, you know, like I want to write something that's a celebration of love. And particularly as a Christian, that seemed a very important thing, you know, for me to, to remember and to celebrate. And I wanted to tell amazing stories of love across difference. Yeah. And that, that was basically what I did. People who taught me how to love bigger and better. And I share their stories and I share mine. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I, I was lucky enough to receive an advanced reading copy of the book and um, and have read through it recently. Um, and it's a powerful book. I, I'm compelled by the stories that you share. And, um, you know, the book is filled with different stories from your life, um, friends of yours' lives. But I also know um, you, you talk about this in the book, but but I also know that this book has a story of its own, not, not only the creation of the book, but um, the writing of the book, but but getting it to the point it is this week of being published and out there in the world um, that this book originally had it had one publisher, but ended up being published with another. Would would you mind sharing some of that story of how this book came about? Because I think it's really, it's a powerful witness to what the book actually represents. It is. And that's why it's so interesting, you know, that it turned out that way. So basically, yes, I, this book was, was contracted by a major Christian publisher. And we, I completed it exactly, you know, on schedule. And according to what we'd said, the publisher actually gave it the, the subtitle with the um, Jesus's radical vision for a love with no exceptions. Lovely. And I know. And so I, they, they told me that they loved it when I submitted it. And, and then they said, well, there's just one thing we need to talk to you about on the phone. So my editor called me on the phone and he'd said so many positive things. I didn't think it would be bad. And he said, there is a problem. There is a problem with the book. And I said, well, what is it? I, I was literally mm. flabbergasted. And he said, and I'm quoting, he said, it's the gays and the Muslims. And I what? said, well, well, what, what about them? You know, like, of course, my publisher knew I run an interfaith center and I talked about I'm going to I'm going to talk about my Muslim friends and what I've learned from them and, you know, teach some basic literacy about Islam, which we don't have beyond media soundbites. And, you know, I I don't know why, but they they just kept repeating. They said, well, some of the stories you tell aren't in line with the values of the majority. So I said, well, what stories they sent? They rewrote it. They rewrote the two chapters that focused on some friends that I had. And in particular, the one chapter was about friends of mine who adopted a special needs baby. 
and the baby was born in prison and the baby was addicted to crack and the baby uh, had alcohol fetal syndrome. And these amazing Christian neighbors of ours, they adopted this baby. And my husband and I thought, this is love without limits. You know, this is amazing Christian love that transcends biology, right? And that was the main story that they wanted to cut because the neighbors are gay. My neighbors uh, are two men. And so, you know, that wasn't really the point of the story. The point of the story was their love without limits for adopting this, this beautiful child. So that was heartbreaking. And long story short, the edits that they made, the changes that they made uh, were non-negotiable. I said I would not make them because they broke my heart. You know, these are my friends and I can't, I can't betray them. I can't betray the message of the whole book, which is love with no exceptions. You know, what is it really? Thank you, Kyle. Like you can't put limits on it. And so it was so hurtful that to me, it was not even a decision. I absolutely could not do it. I wrote to them and I said, you know, uh, I'm not making these changes. It's not going to happen. And four days later on Memorial Day weekend, they fired me. They terminated my contract and they said, yeah, you know, you don't own the book. You don't own the rights to the book because we paid you to write it. And it was true, you know, that they had paid me. I'd gone on leave from my work at Concordia. And so the amount of money I'd been paid was basically an annual salary. And there was no way I could pay that back. You know, I lived off of it. So I became devastated. I'd lost the book. I lost the rights to the book. I lost a year of my life. I lost my dignity. But most of all, and this is embarrassing because I see now that this was wrong, I lost hope for a while. You know, I felt like, wow, these are my friends and I love them. I can't even tell them the story of what happened. I mean, how painful for them for me to say, oh, yeah, you know, guess what happened? I was telling the truth about you and you gave me permission to share that and it, they asked me to delete it. I mean, you just cannot delete your friends. Like, you know, you can't delete right, love. So. Right. Well, I, you know, in last summer, um, when a lot of this had recently taken place and, and the publisher had, you know, demanded these changes and, um, you know, we were with you shortly after that. Alex and I were in Minnesota at a conference. And I, and I remember that that pain that, that, that you had and, and to hear you talk about it in that very raw place. I think it was just in the window right before the talks with the new publisher, thankfully, that that picked it up and adopted it. But I just want to speak a word of thanks and affirmation to you because, um, you know, it might it might seem, you know, you speak about it as a no brainer, right? I can't delete my friends. I can't do this. No. But but I'm also aware of the reality of um, the power dynamics that play there with the publisher and a salary and you being contracted and the fear that was probably also present, you know, can I publish again yeah. if I've been, you know, if I end this relationship in this way? And yeah. I want to just thank you for modeling love without limits right. through this process because wow. you wrote about love without limits, but you also modeled it by saying, I am not backing down. Um, I won't delete mm. my friends. I won't take these stories out because if I do that, that'll change the whole narrative of the book and it, and it won't be it truthful. Would. But, yeah. but I'm also aware that there are probably many people that might not have had the courage or the tenacity that you had to say, no, I'm going to live based off of these values. Um, and I think that's one of the challenges we face in the church today about so many issues is that we have these values and this vision for our life, um, loving without limits, following this um, radical Jesus. 
but yet we are marinating in this culture that is also a very strong force. And sometimes it feels like the two narratives are really competing um, mm, for which one does, will have dominance in our lives. And so thank you for for seeing that through. And tell us then about um, what happened. Tell us about the the work that the Spirit did to bring this book into our hands today. Well, it was completely God and completely grace. I have to say, I, I have almost nothing to do with the book after that, or, you know, for now the reason it's being published. But I also want to go back really quickly, Lauren, to what you just said, because when I did see you all last summer and I was in that completely raw place and did not have a new publisher for the book, you all were so incredible and supportive to me. I have never, ever forgotten that, you know? And so I just want to say, you know, for everyone listening, the difference that it makes when you show compassionate listening to a friend, mm-hmm. so, because it just, it was empowering. And I was, I had felt ashamed, you know, so I hadn't really told people what was happening. And it was only just right before I saw you that I had actually started talking about it. So that's the story. So let me say how it actually came to be published then, because I, there's no way that my husband and I could pay that money back. So what happened was I became very depressed, as I said, and I and I lost a lot of hope. And you know, we were getting ready to go back to school, and everybody was asking me, "How's the book?" And was and you know, I was like, "Oh my gosh, like I could lose my job for not having followed through on my sabbatical project." You know, I was really scared and ashamed, and my publisher had shamed me. That's that's an approach that they took. Right. Um, so I. One day I had this friend and I was talking to her and she said, you know what, Jacqueline, I'm afraid that maybe they just want you to shut up and disappear Mm. and you've given them exactly what they wanted. Hmm. And you know how like sometimes an amazing friend says that one thing that gets through, that like breaks through all Mm -hmm. the walls. And when she said that, I mean, I don't know that they actually wanted that, but what I do know is that is what I did. Right. I was quiet about this for two months. I never told only like my closest friends. And on that day, I walked home. I wrote a little post about what had happened, telling the truth, not naming the publisher. I'm not interested in naming them. I I refuse to name them in any public interviews, not interested in maligning them. My love without limits extends even to them. I wrote a little post. I felt reassured by the end of the post, you know, because I thought, wow. I thought they took everything, but as I was writing, I realized they didn't. They didn't take away my, there was something, of course, it's so obvious that they didn't take, which was my love, right? You know, like they couldn't take it. And so I felt, I felt like this something, like something shifted when I wrote that and I took a selfie to post along, uh, you know, to post along with that uh, blog, little blog on Facebook and the picture I'm, I have duct tape on my mouth and I wrote censored (laughs) on the duct tape and I took this selfie and I look awful like I look like the truth like I hadn't slept for weeks and I thought well that image captures exactly how I feel on the inside because you know you have to convey to somebody how is it that I feel when they're not sitting there with you and I felt like that picture that ugly picture totally shows and so I posted it and I went to bed because I was so tired like you know and finally I felt like I released it to the world and it went completely viral and here's the here's the thing I think is so God and grace, whatever you want to call this. It's so beautiful. On the very day that I chose to do that, people were, you know, when it went viral, people started tagging the CEOs of other presses. Now, I didn't nice. know the CEOs of any publishing houses, so I couldn't do that. But on that very same day, somebody tagged the CEO of Fortress Press. 
And on that very same day, the senior acquisitions editor, Fortress Press, was sitting at a writer's conference 900 miles from his house in Minneapolis in his office, sitting right next to my agent on a panel about writing and publishing. And so this total stranger, this editor, he sees this on his phone on a reshare. Like it's not even like I didn't share. I don't even know him. He sees it on a reshare of like a reshare, turns to my agent with the picture and says, do you know her? Like, do you know who her agent is? I mean, like, what are the odds? And my agent was like, what is that? He's like, he's like, I'm her agent. So long story short, he, from his phone, he sends the book because they said, Fortress Press said, we're interested in this. You know, we're interested in buying this. And in 24 hours, 24 hours, they made an offer, a very gracious and generous offer that was enough to help my husband and I buy back the rights to the book. Yeah. Nice. Amazing. That's so bad. Right. It's amazing, isn't it? Yes. Like, who would think? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I'm so grateful to those people. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that they made a really, really, really smart decision because having read <laughs> the book, it's so powerful. It's it's powerfully practical, too. I mean, I think that this is a book that um, pastors, theologians, scholars, um, working full-time parents, stay-at-home parents, teenagers, anyone could pick this book up and gain something from it. Um, There are so many compelling stories. And I I love the the whole idea of how you've laid the book out, of talking about love without limits throughout these different categories. And honestly, many of them are things I've never really considered or thought about. Um, One of them that that was compelling was about loving without limits um, for the place that you live. In yes. Fargo, yeah, Moorhead, yeah. you know, North Dakota, Minnesota area. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex, you spent some time in North Dakota as well, in Minot. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that this is a chapter that you need to read. Oh, um, I got to get out. <laughs> because, um, you know, you, you talk about finding that that unconditional love for this location and this place that you never imagined you, you, you would be in. Before we dive a little bit further into the book, I think it's really interesting and compelling the work you do. Can you share just a little bit about, um, you know, what you wrote about living in Fargo, but also your work there? Yeah, sure. So I work at Concordia College, which is a college of the ELCA, a college of the church, you know, Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. And I love my work. You know, I have these amazing students. I'm a professor of religion. I teach world religions. And I'm also a theologian. So I teach a lot of our theology classes, classes on social justice, things like that. And uh, the job that I really enjoy, uh, my other half of my job, is I'm director of the Forum on Faith and Life at Concordia. And that is, as you said earlier, Lauren, that is Concordia's Interfaith Peace Building Center. And, you know, Fargo and North Dakota, they're not what people think. Fargo actually has, I think it's North Dakota, I should say, North Dakota, excuse me, has more immigrants and refugees per capita than any other state. Wow. And people, people wow. don't know that. You know, there's a lot of folks of other faiths here. And so those folks have been a gift and a blessing in my life. And I've gotten to know them and know more about their faith. And it's actually enriched my own faith as a Christian. And those are some of the stories I'm able to tell in the book. And I interview some of my friends, you know, here in Fargo uh, who are Muslim. And they were willing to, to have their story shared in the book. And that's just so gracious of them. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. yeah, your stories um, in the book about your your Muslim friends really were powerful to me um, and reminded me of some of those stories um, of um, 
relationships I had with Muslims, my time in the military that, that have profoundly impacted my life. I had an interpreter um, in Iraq who um, devout Muslim and uh, he was working with our unit and turned into a very good friend of mine. And my whole perception at the time as a young 20 year old soldier was totally changed. And and I, I got this new story presented to me when on my 21st birthday, he came up to me with this gift wrapped and he said, I bought you a gift for your birthday. And he handed it to me and he said, open it, open it. And I opened it in front of him and it was a Christian Bible. It was a Bible. Wow. And he said, I really think, and then he winked at me. He said, I really think you need to read your holy book. And he was laughing, but it was it was this gesture that totally reframed for me this whole Christian and Muslim and Jewish, um, that all that tension went away. And I thought, oh my goodness, I've been thinking about, you know, people of different faiths in, in a way that maybe just isn't true. That, that um, and, and so that developed this deep friendship and, and your stories echo that, they echoed that for me, you know, reminding me that um, there are people of goodwill and good faith across any boundary or division that the world might present to us that um that often the stories we hear in the news and we hear in the media they just simply aren't the the, the dominant narrative in the world um mm-hmm. so thank you for yeah, that your pers- you. your perspective is thank unique you. and helpful because of how you work with that you know it's 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 an engagement between these different uh i mean in, entirely different world worldviews but they're not that different is what happens when in that in that conversation. I remember working with uh, the seminary sampler program in the summers at Trinity and doing those engagement yeah. with teenagers and how just unbelievably fruitful it was. When I hear you say the guys like you should read your book is a great like thing that always happens in that dialogue is because they're talking to someone from a different faith. There's going to be questions that are assumed where, where are understood like the idea that. Um, a question would come from somebody on the outside going, why do you do this? Wait a minute. I've never asked why I do that. It's just something I do. And this dialogue happens <laughs> yeah, where it's like, yeah. well, I think it's this. And I'm like, look at how they sharpen each other even. Like, it's not about yeah, like an apologetics right. or like, here's me defending mine and putting yours down. It's a, oh, that is a good, I think it's because of this. And they go, oh, that's, that's interesting because I never understood it that way or I didn't, I'd never had a place for that. The way that they just build each other up. I'm not surprised that like a friend you make would be like, you should read this because it's, it's, it's for both person's benefit that we, we dive deeper into this, not in order to convince, but to strengthen one another in our, like, in our shared, our, our, our shared identities. Um, I just think it's great that someone in your position is being published because what a perspective you have to see it so often. Lauren has a moment like this in his life of a relationship. I would have the same thing of these moments where I did engage that. But, oh, my, I mean, basically, your gig is to be present in these awesome moments that we need to hear (laughs) more about. And that's, I'm just grateful for that. You're right, you're right. Oh, me too. Me too. Every day I'm presented with an opportunity to rediscover our shared humanity. Yes. And that, that is a blessing from the, you know, from the liberating love of God. You yep. know, right? Yep. To be able to, to see that, yeah. And I think that that's a huge, it's a huge thing that we we need to have our eyes opened uh, from time to time. That we we maybe talk about love or, or 
preach about love in some cases, whatever. And, and, or we talk about wanting to love each other, whether it be politically or spiritually or communally. And then until, until we have a conversation and put flesh on what that love looks like, like I'm, I'm understanding that your book does, and 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 that's what I'm excited about getting a chance to read. I did not get an advanced copy, but that's that's so okay. I'm going to get one. But, but I'm so but anyway, sorry. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I'm saying, but I'm excited about because oftentimes when we're when what that love is 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 revealed to us. It's scandalous. It's unexpected, right. and we have a reaction to it. And I think, I think that's what we see in our culture. I think that's what we see in our political culture. I think it's what we have on our own lives from time to time. Those kind of moments of earthquakes and right. and and where we get our feathers ruffled, to probably put it mildly. Mm-hmm. But that's I, I think the exercise of conversation helps strengthen from beyond that point and help us move on. And so. I'm thankful for the way you facilitate that conversation for us and for everyone. One of the ways that I've kind of been processing and thinking about this book, having read it now, is I I think that a a strong aspect of what this book offers people is a prophetic voice and a prophetic word to return or, or maybe embrace the deepest value that has the potential to cross any divide. I kind of look at this book not only as something that's great for small groups or study. It's not just a book about love. This is a prophetic book um, because I sure. think it's speaking, it's speaking, it's reminding us and pointing us that there's something that we need to hold on to um, that unites us despite any of these divisions. And I, I, I'm reminded of just a paragraph I'd like to actually read part of from your introduction. This is from the intro, people. We're not even in chapter one yet, and it's this good already. Um, Jacqueline writes, if we disagree, we must hate each other, right? No. This is our culture's lie du jour, and we must resist with our very lives. Before you read this book... Know this. If you disagree with me on any social or political issue, I love you. If you're a Democrat or an independent, I love you. If you're a Republican, I love you. If you are straight or LGBTQ, I love you. If your skin is brown, white, or black, I love you. If you hate this book, I love you anyway. If you love it, I love you too. If you're Christian, I love you. If you're Muslim, I love you. If you're an atheist, I love you. If you're Sikh, Hindu, Jewish, Baha'i, or Native American, I love you. If you're an American citizen, I love you. If you're Syrian, Iraqi, French, or Kenyan, I love you. If you're a refugee or an immigrant, I love you. I love you all, period. No exceptions, as badly as some days I want to make them. And I think that it's a profound... um, paragraph in an introduction to what the book really does offer. Um, because what that reminds me of is what you write about later in the book. And I'm wondering if you could speak more about this. I think the part of the book that really has, is still working within me and is, is, is doing some things. It's been in the top of my mind and in my heart is what you write about the lie or the myth of the single story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you say more about that? What do you mean about the myth or the lie of a single story? 
Yeah. Well, I should say that that term comes from a really wonderful TED Talk that I recommend for everyone. Yeah, I say in the book, go watch this TED Talk and then read this chapter, right? It's called The Danger of a Single Story. It's by one of my favorite authors, Chimamanda Adichie. But I can very easily, so then I try to take her concept of a single story and apply it, you know, to contemporary, to, to now, contemporary days. And I'm like, okay, I'll give you an example of a single story. If I say to you the word Muslim, What's the first thing you think of? What's the word that pops into your head? Mm -hmm. When I do that with audiences, every time, every time, everybody says terrorist or they say ISIS. Okay? Mm -hmm. So that's a perfect example, right? And so that is a single story that's being told about a group of folks. We could also do the same and say, let's think about the single story that's being told about Trump supporters. What is that story? Racist. Right. You know, so I think that and I just do that to show like all sides. Right. So there there are single stories happening all the time. And my point is they trick us into hating each other. Yeah. And and also into thinking that for in the case of Muslims, you know, there's one point six billion Muslims in the world thinking that all of those people are the same. <laughs> it's wild. It's, it's absurd. That's yeah, like saying right. that, you know, Christians who bomb abortion clinics, I'm the same as them and I should be judged by their actions. Well, actually, you know, like I hope that I'm not. And so I, I just think we none of us wants to be judged by the actions of a group. Mm-hmm. None of us wants to even be judged by the behavior of our sister or brother or our mother or father necessarily. You know, like we are an independent person. We're a beloved child of God, each one of us. So the single story is something that I argue in the book. I'm I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of love losing to the single story. And I don't think I give examples in the book where Jesus in the scripture is overcoming the single story. For example, what is the single story told about Samaritans? Jesus is going to overcome it, tell this parable about you all need to copy Samaritans. (laughs) even though you've been taught their faith is wrong. So I do a whole reinterpretation of what Jesus is, is, you know, saying there and really highlighting the truth of what he's saying, which is, you know, stop the single story. (laughs) That's Jesus's Ted talk in my view is the good Samaritan parable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful. And I think, I think it's a prophetic word because I think that um, it, it runs so counter to the narrative that, that is so popular right now, which is this intense tribalism. It's this yes. intense digging in one's heels and, and making of another an enemy. And, and I think that we're, right. we're going through some serious cultural earthquakes awakening or reshakening. I, I mean, I, I wonder, like, you know, in the future, in the distant future, how this era that we're living through will be remembered. Um, and mm-hmm. um, I just spoke for like an hour last night with some people as we were planning our faith formation, like uh, like our Sunday school, our manna program that we do. And we were wrestling with how do we get this idea about in the story where Jesus' disciples say, hey, those people are casting out demons, but they don't know us. Like the teams, like, yeah, they're doing like a thing and they're not on our team. So that's awful. So like, how do we, what do we do? And Jesus is like, what are they doing? Like, good stuff. And they're like, oh, cool. Like, leave it alone, jerks. Like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong? Like, they're allowed to do good things. Like, they're not enemies of ours. They're doing good things. They're casting out demons. And I was like, do we hear this? And people go, right. How That team mentality of tribes and tribes are, having a tribe is a beautiful thing. But having a tribe that's defined by its difference 
from the other tribe. It's the 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 oppositional relationship is just so dangerous. I think your that that description of Jesus as the single narrative is is brilliant because that's what we're trying to get is how do we tell this, talk about this with kids about like as much as the world is telling a story of it's you versus them. Yeah. Y'all, this it's can't always be like this. This always ends in tears and pain and abuse and victimizing and scapegoats. We can't do this. It hurts too bad. And it's it's hard to get that through when basically our 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 base function seems to be divide and conquer. Win. Exactly. Win. No matter what, there is no good that comes from the enemy. You know, it's like, mm. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of that. It's a lie. It's just a lie. Yeah. It is a lie. And Jesus was tired of it, right? Yes. And that's why he tried to overcome it. But then look how upset people got. Oh, yeah. You know, people wanted to kill him because his love had no exceptions. And people want to make exceptions. Yeah. And, and we do today. That's what we want to do. And Christians have to speak hope into this place because people are becoming very, very frustrated and very polarized and very hurt. So. It's our most important message we have right now. I mean, it's, it is. it's right now. Yeah. Love, please. Like, you have to see bigger than than your tribes. That's right. Well, That's right. Yeah, and I think I I don't I don't know what has to. I mean, I'm just thinking out loud here. But one of the things that we can do that per, that I think perpetuates that tribalism, and again, I guess I'm thinking along the same lines is, I know people who because of just the, I. I don't know what you want to call it, the vol- volatile political nature or whatever. Sp- think about just Facebook, right? If if somebody's uh, spewing one side or another on Facebook, what can I do? I can hide it. I don't have to see it. Right. I can unfriend them. I can continue to talk to people who think like I do yeah. and live in my own world. I'm more connected than ever, but yet I can put up walls, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And I, if if love doesn't put up walls then love means i'm faced with things that make me question and wonder right and we don't do that we don't sit with that very well because i can go on to the next thing (laughs) and close my browser and move on right i think um some of this is what you i mean again you kind of model that when when walls come up what do you do you have to sit with it Mm -hmm. you have to think about it Mm -hmm. you have to and and you care about it and it makes you frustrated, but it doesn't mean you react. You know, you just you just process and then you're in dialogue with people as you share the story. Anyway, mm-hmm. I just think that that's uh, that's what we can do that so easily now. So it makes that work of loving extra hard. Mm. I really appreciate what you're saying, Kyle. And it makes me think about the ways in which what happened to the book, right, with the silencing and the rejecting and the shaming, right? That is just, that's why I don't talk about who the publisher is, because it's not important, because it's exactly, all that, all that what happened to the book just holds up a mirror to us, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's what we do to people. Like you just said, they disagree with me, they have to stop talking. They have to be silenced. I'm not going to speak with them ever again. I'm going to unfriend them. I'm going to unfollow them. Rather than actually calming down and actually engaging them as a human being, trying to understand maybe where they're coming from, what is their backstory, and also remembering that, you know, love is not agreement. Love was never agreement. Love is understanding. It is understanding, but it does not have to have agreement. We all have people we love with whom we we disagree, Mm -hmm. right? And so we have to to remember the the lost art of of loving 
yeah. in the midst of disagreements. We used to be pretty good at it. We've all done it before, you know. So. <laughs> One of the things that I find really inspiring about your writing, and certainly this was um, on full display in Outlaw Christian, but is also with Love Without Limits, is your willingness to write and open your own life up in a vulnerable way, stories mm-hmm. from your life. Um, where do you think that comes from? And also, was there a story um, in Love Without Limits that um, kind of pressed you further than some of the others to be vulnerable, to open yourself up? Um, Because you often write these stories that are so deeply a part of your own story. And I find that Mm -hmm. tremendously inspiring. But I'm also aware that it it takes a great deal of courage to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you would know because I've heard you speak and you speak from a very vulnerable place as well. And that's what makes it very powerful. So, yeah, I guess I would have to say here that um, it's terrifying. You know, I, I feel like there's a way in which when you write a book like this, where you do talk about your ep- I talk in the book about my epic fails of Love Without Limits, because I think it's really important for me to mm-hmm. share. I'm not very good at this, but you can always keep trying. You know, you can always learn from other people. And so that's why I feel like it's essential. I teach that way too. It's essential to share the epic fails, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because then other people are like, oh, look, I can get back on my feet and try again too. You know, we're all in this together. So it's, I do just want to say it's terrifying. You know, I felt like mm-hmm. you write a book like this, you're kind of, you feel like, oh, wow, hello. I'm walking around naked in everyone's living room who's reading this yeah. book, you know, yeah. like that's what it, that's what it feels like to me sort of emotionally. And sometimes that fear can be crippling. Mm-hmm. You know, there was definitely things mm-hmm. in the book where I thought, ooh, people will think poorly of me. You know, if I say mm-hmm. that I had this, I had this, you know, thought went through my mind about that other person. I judged them without knowing them. And then I thought, oh, but that's why, Jacqueline, you have to tell it is because, you know, I would like to think I'm not the only one, you know, who's been in that situation and then been corrected. And that's why I come to the conclusion in the book that grace hurts because grace really does hurt. And grace taught me some things. And I share those those stories. Um, Yeah. And and as far as which stories. You know, you've read it. A lot of the ones I tell, they're bad. They're bad. Like, you know, there are things that I did that were like, why did I not care more for that person? Mm. You know, I tell the story about a young man at the side of the road who was crying, sobbing, and everybody passed him by, you know, because they were afraid and his skin was a different color than mine. And, you know, and I was like, I wanted to pass by too. You know, I wanted to, to just think, oh, wow. There's nothing I can do there. And for whatever reason, you know, I was with my husband and I was like, I'm going up to him. And I went up and I was like, are you okay? You know, like, can we help you with anything? And all that young man wanted, all he wanted was to share with somebody that he had been hit by a car at that intersection a few weeks before. And the person never stopped. And he lifted up his shirt and he showed me all these bruises on his torso, showed me and my husband. And, and he, the, all he wanted was for someone to like walk across the street with him. That's all he wanted. And I had all these like awful thoughts in my head like, oh, what does he want? You know, has he been drinking? You know, horrible things. And I, I in, in the book I talk about, like, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes, sometimes uh, love evicts fear in your mm-hmm. heart. And when that happens, you know, 
you got to You got to run with it. Yeah. <laughs> you got to learn Ooh. from that. So, yeah. So I tell a lot of stories like that about myself. So. And, and for all of our listeners, the book is filled with stories similar to that. Um, powerful stories. And so I encourage all of our listeners um, to to buy, to buy the book, buy multiple copies. Um, it's perfect for a discussion group. There's even discussion guides out there. Um, yeah, for free. Jack, for free. Yeah, for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacqueline, oh, how can people learn more about the book? Where can they pick the book up? And I also heard that uh, you've got a pretty awesome review in a newspaper that came out this week. Share more about those details. We want to give you that platform. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate how you lift other people up on your show. Well, it was very exciting. So we got word yesterday that the Chicago Tribune chose to review Love Without Limits. And they wrote a really lovely and generous and gracious review. So you can read that if you just do Chicago Tribune, Jacqueline Bussey. Yeah, if you don't want to take our word for it, you can take the Chicago Tribune. You can read it. You can read it. (laughs) And so uh, what that did lead to, I think, you know, these various uh, reviews. It also has a review from Publishers Weekly, which Mm -hmm. I was really grateful for, that said the book is a must read for all Christians interested in inclusivity in their communities. So I really appreciated that. And yeah, so... I just would say if people are interested in learning more about the book, you know, they can follow me on Facebook mm-hmm. or they can follow me on Instagram. You know, I try to post things fairly frequently, but not overwhelming <laughs> to people. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, the book's available everywhere. It's available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target.com. Though right now it is currently in a completely sold out situation, I think because of the you know reviews from big things like the oh, Tribune. Sure. I don't think Amazon ordered enough books, but they will – don't be thwarted by that. You can still place your order and it will come in much quicker than it says. They've reassured me that the books are on their way from the publisher. So Awesome. Good problem to have. I know. Hi, we're fresh out of books. People <laughs> yeah. like it too much. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> Sold too many copies. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I, I would, I would be remiss without asking. Um, you know, we wanna, we wanna fully celebrate this book, and and we want it to do extremely well and to impact a lot of people's lives. Any, any ruminations, any thoughts, anything stirring in you with something that you might work on in the future? Any future books that you're ruminating on? Any. What's yeah. next for Jacqueline Bussey? <laughs> oh, I appreciate that question too. Honestly, I'm in this place right now. This may sound kind of silly, but you know, when you write a and I and I actually did write this book in nine months. So it kind of feels to me like I've given birth to something. Mm. And <laughs> and right now I just wanna like be with my newborn. Yeah, I have, you know, own. I have I, I honestly, right now, my mind is is just focused on, I have so many speaking engagements for the book tour coming up, mm-hmm. and I'm excited about each one of those, and I want to be fully invested in those, and I want to be present with all the beautiful people there. I got to experience that last time with Outlaw Christian, and I think, you know, we were all together, like all of you and me last time when yeah. I spoke at a place, and Lauren, you were also a fantastic speaker at that. So you know what it's like. You get to know people, you get to hear their stories, and you get to appreciate that so much. So I, that's honestly where I'm at. You know, yeah. I just want to, I want to travel with my, 
with my newborn and see what people think, you know, yeah. and get to know. Hey, everyone, them. look at my baby. Isn't it adorable? <laughs> look at my baby. No, no exactly. <laughs> look at it. Actually, I'm giving the baby up basically for adoption to other people. And I, yeah. I, and I want to hear like what, ah, how, yeah. how it, what, like what they think metaphor. about it. It doesn't really belong to me How's anymore. How's it But I'm responsible. I'm yeah. responsible to it, right? Yeah. You know, at least for the next yeah. nine months, I'll be very busy with this. Yeah. yeah. So getting yeah. all the reports. How's it behaving? Did it do everything you're supposed to? Yeah. Has it happened? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Is it eating? Exactly. No, okay. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Jacqueline, yeah. thank you so much for making time to come on our show, and um, thank you for the work you do at Concordia College. Thank you for the work you do uh, in your writing. Thank you um, for being a light in this world. Um, we can't thank you enough for giving a little bit of time today. Um, and once again, folks, the book is titled Love Without Limits, Jesus' Radical Vision for Love with No Exceptions. Pick it up wherever fine books are sold. <laughs> um, thank you so much. Any final words, any closing thoughts? Um, maybe the closing question I would ask of you is, if somebody orders this book and it comes to their doorstep in a few days and they begin reading it, what do you want people to get out of that experience having um, encountered this book? What do you hope their takeaway is? I hope their takeaway is that no matter what anyone has ever said to them, that they are loved without limits. They are loved without limits by a God who is love itself. That's that's what I would want them to take away. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Cool stuff. Yeah. And I, and I also want to say thank you so much for the ministry that you all three have, you know, as pastors and all the amazing work you're doing and the ministry of this podcast, because I see that as a ministry. And uh, recently I saw that your podcast was ranked number one, you know, like uh, in all the podcasts. <laughs> so like that was so huge. So it's an honor for me to be on it. So thank well. you. Yeah, we we um yeah, very gracious. We we actually we didn't hit number one. Don't Lord Lord did, Lord heard that we and went. I just wish so bad. We did hit. Well, number, wasn't we it did, number one like did, in a category? We did. We hit number six on religion and spirituality on iTunes. That so was it. Six. Okay, we all right. Almost but got six. to one. Unbelievable. But then in Christianity. Yeah. We got yeah. to three. We got to number three. See, that's what I was remembering. Okay, yeah. whatever. And, um, Top five, up. guys. That's incredible. Yeah, no, um, unbe unbelievably incredible. And, yeah. Um, and, uh, that, that's amazing. That's you know, amazing. Um, grateful to do this work and grateful to be in partnership with, with you. Um, so thank Likewise. you once again for, uh, for coming thank on, you. folks. Uh, run out now. Uh, stop listening to this podcast and order the book. And go read yeah. something. Thank you. Put down the earbuds. Thank you for listening. And as always, to hell with a hot dish. To hell with a hot dish. To hell with a hot dish. <laughs> <laughs>